Future Hacker. Life. Path. Future. Welcome back, everybody. This is the second episode with Therese Fontes for Future Hacker. So, Therese, um, I'd like to begin this other episode uh, with the Humanity Power, the NGO you founded. What's it? What is this about? What you're working on? Yeah. So, um, last year after George Floyd got killed, I remember thinking to myself, "What can I do?" You know, I, I don't watch the news. Um, I don't, you know, do a lot of stuff on social media. So I was able to go inward and figure out what I could do. And in fact, very shortly after I asked that question, a bunch of companies that I had previously had relationships with had started to contact me to hold space for race conversations and social justice conversations and all different types of um topics. And so one common theme that kept coming up was the question or conversation of racism. And very quickly, I realized that there was a misaligned understanding of what race, the definition of racism was. Um, if somebody doesn't like you or is unkind to you, does not make them racist. It probably just makes them somebody that doesn't like you or is unkind. Like there's, you know, but having to distinguish some of that was a lot of the conversation I had. And then a CEO told me, Sharice, I didn't know what racism or didn't understand what racism was until you came in and explained it. And I thought that's a problem because right now there is a lot of conversation around racism. And if we are talking about ending racism, we should have a very clear definition of what that meant or what that means. So that led me to the question of how do you become racist? So I was sitting in my office and I asked myself that question. I was like, okay, Sharice, it's Saturday. Go be racist. Like, go. And I didn't know where to start. I'm like, okay, do I start with like, this neighbor or that, like, what, where do I even begin with this? And so then I was like, okay, then how do you become racist? And so I started to go on this journey and ask people, how do you become racist? And a lot of the answers were you're taught, oh, it's learned, it's this. And none of them satisfied me. So I decided to create a workshop called how to become a racist, where I talk about the, from birth to racism, that journey and what that entails. And through my research, I realized that um, it wasn't just racism. It was ableism. It was ageism. It was classism. It was colorism. It was sexism. They all carry the same vibrational hate and thread. So I delivered this workshop. I think I had maybe like 12 people show up. It was for free and I went through everything. And at the end, people were like, this is transformational. How do we share this out with other people? Like other people need to know about what we just learned here. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. You know, what do I do? Um, and so then I was back in my office sitting there and I was 
kind of reflecting on everything that I had taught and learned myself. And, you know, here in America, there was, there are movements of white power and there were movements of black power. And both don't, both are divisive and did not create the unity that we needed to see. But I've always talked about humanity. And so I was like, what if we used humanity power to, to help address some of these things? And so I love it. <laughs> uh, very shortly, I realized that the word unity is in humanity. And I was like, done. I'm going to create a, a humanity power as a statement. It started off as a statement to really bring the unity within our humanity to end the isms that are harming our humanity. And, um, you know, I shared it with a friend and my friend was like, sounds great. How are you going to do it? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to figure this out or I'll be led to the answer. And so I started Humanity Power uh, as just a statement. And then it grew into something that I think I was like, I think this could be a positive beacon for uniting us around something that is harming our humanity. And so I had already been feeding our community that I live in for, I think about a year or so at that point. And I said, you know, food brings people together. So I want to continue to do that. And then I was like, I want to start working on enriching communities because we don't have communities as we did before and tribes as we did before in more of this modern society. So that is where a lot of our lessons and learnings can come from. And then the third thing that I wanted to do was create education that was inspiring and positive. So high vibe education that spoke to the, the, the journey of not only racism, but classism, colorism, all these isms. So what I mean by that is a lot of the material that I saw was going around the concept of anti-racism. And I speak about this pretty openly, how anti-racism from a, um, from a neuro perspective, the word in itself does not lead to a positive outcome. Our brains don't say, oh, you want to lose weight. I'm not going to gain five pounds for, you know, two weeks. Our brains say, I will lose five pounds in two weeks. And so the concept of anti-racism didn't flow with me. So I wanted to create education and information that still held the concept of we don't want to um, be a society that is uh, judging someone based off their ethnicity or treating them differently of their ethnicity. We want to be a society that sees the humanity in all and treats everyone from that perspective but there wasn't much education on it. It was anti-racism. It was calling people out, making people feel guilty. So humanity power does the opposite. It doesn't coddle or excuse some of the things that have happened, but it creates an educational lens that transcends past this narrative of you have to be against something to see any type of progress, to be for something, to amplify the light will always outshine the darkness. I mean, this has been true for Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, um, Nelson Mandela. None of these leaders took this 
anti-approach. They took this approach of bringing light and love to the message and the people that they were touching in very deep ways. And so that's essentially how humanity power is going to end the isms. It's a nonprofit. It's a tax deductible nonprofit. So, which is very um, appealing for some, but yeah, it's, it's doing a lot of stuff with community education and um, uh, humans. I absolutely love it. And, and, and the story is super, um, it makes so much sense. I, I, I just can't believe that you're going to give the speech to anyone that person wants to see. Well, you're right, you know, <laughs> it's like, it can go the, the, the other way. So um, I wish you the best in this path. Um, so listen, and I'm, I'm completely going to change the subject. You're so multifaceted, like you're, you do so much, right? You're everywhere. <laughs> so I'd like to cover something else that you actually did. Before we get into that, I need to do a disclaimer to our listeners. Please don't try this at home <laughs> without the proper medical advisory. So you fasted so it's about fasting you fasted for tw 21 days 21 right 21 days you, your husband longer 30 33 33 uh, why how what <laughs> why did you do that like what 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 like what have you learned from that uh would you ever do it again and you know could you just share <laughs> yeah. So um, it was actually my husband. Just, just water? Just water for 21 nights? Yeah, I get that question all the time. <laughs> you know, um, we, for 21 days, I drank nothing but water. I don't have my, well, you can't see it anyway, but I have a motivational water bottle that is about 115 ounces. So I would... That was my breakfast, lunch, and dinner, snack, dessert, all of it. Um, and uh, my husband actually came up with the idea to do a water fast. He did a lot of the research. So he did all the research. Um, I was coming back from a solo retreat. Um, and he said that he was going to do a couple days water fast while I was gone. And I said, okay. And I come back and he's still doing it. And I was like, hmm, I'll do it with you. Tell me what I need to know. And he's like, you just drink water and this is what you're going to experience. Because he had, I think he was maybe five or six days already into it. And so a water fast essentially is where you drink nothing but water. Um, and it in my experience, we didn't do it medically supervised. So like you mentioned, it is recommended that you do a, a medically supervised water fast. And usually what that looks like is your doctor is checking your vitals. Um, they're tailoring a supplement to your body. So maybe you're lower in potassium. You need to raise your magnesium, like whatever that is. So they, they tailor it to your body um, and what it could be experiencing. Uh, 
prior to our water fast, we did do a health screen for um, life insurance so we could see where our levels are. Both me and my husband have no um, conditions, health conditions, anything like that. So very healthy. It was, I would say like some of the um, mental and emotional challenges that I've gone through, natural childbirth and a water fast were probably one of the most challenging things, uh, challenging things that I've gone through in my life. And I did document it through video. Towards the end, I was done with doing a video. I was like, I just want to get this over with. But it was fascinating. Um, One, to have believed the narrative that, you know, I could not go, my own narrative that I could not go a day without eating. You know, how food played such a center role in my life, my husband's life, and how we eliminated it um, and indeed conquered food as one of those vices that tend to be used in emotional coping and different things like that. And so I think about day five, that's when it started to get easier. The first few days I was like, I stayed out of the kitchen. I didn't want to smell any food. I was in my office most of the time around, especially around dinner time for the kids. And then day five, everything started to make a little bit of sense. And I was able to move and navigate a lot easier. And each day became a little bit easier. Towards the end, I just got bored. I was like, oh my gosh, what what am I going to, what am I going to have? Water. What am I going to have now? Water. It was a very like boring type of thing, but I never felt more spiritually connected than I have doing this water, during this water fast. Like you at the time, you could have asked me the meaning to life and I would have told you what it was. And you would have been like, and thank you. I can now go off and do whatever I need to do. I had such a, I had this glow I had this knowledge. I was calmer. It changed me in so many ways till I'm still feeling the effects of it. Um, And um, essentially what I learned, so my husband did a lot of the research and I kind of just picked up at the end. But let's say someone has about 60, no, 30-ish pounds of, of extra weight on them. The way that a water fast works is essentially that is 60 something days of energy that your body has because it pulls from the fat, it pulls from the reserve and um, it very little touches the protein, even though it does touch the protein and the muscles, but it doesn't go to the body. What I found out was so um, perfectly engineered to know, oh, you're not eating. What we're going to do is we're going to take your water weight first. So whatever's stored within the the muscles or body of water, we're going to use some of that first. Then we're going to take some of the reserve that's tapped into your body, some of the fat. We're going to start feeding off of the fat. We're going to mix in a little protein because you're going to need that to survive. But we're going to make it to where as long as you keep giving us water, you will function. And I function. I did meetings. I didn't work out. I did small walks. I, you know, was tired more towards the end of the day, but I was, I felt better than I ever did. And 
to your question, would I do it again? I'm actually starting another one in September. I will do another 21 days. And I'm very much looking forward to this one because I now know what to expect. Um, And it was a mental, it was so mental in terms of telling my mind, I'm fine. My body is okay. You chill out mind and stop trying to convince me that I'm starving. Like I was, mom, I'm starving. Like, no, you're not starving. Actually, your body will will give you everything that you need had you have already eaten and different things like that. So it was a fascinating experience. Um, one that, of course, I will do again. And what I learned was just the play that the mind has on us. Yeah, you you didn't you didn't you, you didn't want to murder anybody in the beginning. No, that's not my nature anyway. I'm a I. But I mean, like when people get angry, right? Like when when you have this angry. Yeah, like the, the, the hunger for it. Like you didn't get angry. You didn't feel angry. I felt frustrated, but it wasn't towards. It was towards the fact that I was telling myself no, even when I knew I could make it a yes. And right there, right? Like, like you have all the food and they kept it. Okay. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. And and one thing that we did do is we did talk to a doctor towards the end because I do want to note this one more, this very, very important component is called the refeeding process, which is basically when you start to eat food. What I, I learned from this was the doctor that we talked to, um, there's a there's a clinic in Santa Rosa, California called True North that does water medically supervised water fast. It's reverse cancer, uh, type 2 diabetes. Like you do the research, it has reversed so many different um, elements that have, that have um, hurt our bodies. And this doctor was talking to us about the refeeding process. And he basically explained to us that Nowadays in America, more so, we suffer from what's called King's disease, which essentially is what um, back back in the days when there were, you know, uh, more kings and queens and things like that, they would have access to tons of rich food and the kings would get diabetes and heart disease and all of these things. So, but the peasants, the people that didn't have access to all those foods would be, wouldn't get those things. So they called it King's disease because it was diseases that Kings got because of the way that they ate. Now we have obviously a plethora of options of food. And so we are suffering from those same things. So what happens with our bodies when we do a water fast, if you think about it, most of us, if we've, you know, if we haven't taken this venture, our digestive tract has never taken a break since birth. We've been digesting food, our digestive, and everything starts in the gut. Disease, um, you know, everything starts in the gut. And so giving it a break is so key. So the refeeding process was almost, was more dangerous than the actual water fast because he pointed out that um, after the Holocaust, when people were in concentration camps and the soldiers would bring, you know, get people out, they would give them chocolate and food and people actually died because they, the way that they ate 
because they hadn't had food in so long. So the refeeding process is one, as I'm actually talking to you about it, has been, it's actually a very um, in-depth re-entry to the new being of yourself to not want to eat everything, you know, because you will literally, you could literally die. And so for us, the refeeding process was one of the most magical experiences because we started off with, um, he suggested cucumber, no, celery, watermelon juice. And Maria, I can, I can go back. It was the best tasting thing I've ever had in my life. My brain tingled when I drank it. Oh my God. <laughs> I've never had brain tinglies like that before. It was phenomenal. And just to like reintroduce myself, it was like, hello, food. I'm Sharice. And food was like, hello, Sharice. I am the energy that is going to restore your body. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was if anything, like I want to do the fast again to experience that experience. Yeah. <laughs> so it was awesome. My husband's actually been doing a five day water fast. And I will just end with this. All of the benefits were amazing. The deep knowledge and creativity that I was able to cultivate, the understanding and discovery of myself going a little bit deeper, my reappreciation for real food, live food, um, honoring and breaking some of the, um, my, my, my demons with food and, and all of those things. The other perk was I lost 28 pounds in 21 days and my body transformed. My husband lost, uh, I think it was like 50 pounds in 33 days. And what was one thing that's very key that I want to point out is we main, we have still maintained, I am still at my, I'm lower than my post water fast weight right now. So it is a maintaining of, it's not this yo-yo thing where, all right, you start eating, you do gain a little bit in the beginning, but then all of a sudden your body does something miraculous. And you're like, wait, I'm not eating the same exact ways, but you know, I have a little fun with my food. And I'm like, okay, this is awesome. So the results are sustainable and beautiful and respond well to our bodies. My husband just said the other day, he's like, if the whole world could water fast, we would transcend as a collective consciousness. What a great way to end. Um, okay, uh, I, I think a lot of people that listen to that will definitely do some research about it. Um, at least some information, get informed, right? So, Trace, I have a. We've come to the end. Uh, I have a very last question for you. Um, what is the future you want? And if you have any final advices for our listeners out there. Um, I'd like to give you the words to do the closing of this show, please. And thank you so much for being here with us today. Well, thank you again for having me. This has been really fun. Um, when, when you ask the question, the future, I immediately just 
think of our humanity. Because one thing I tell the tribe at Culture Circle and just our client partners that we work with and just anybody within humanity power, we are the roots to the tree in which we will never experience the shade. The stuff that I am doing, I might not even see the immediate, the ROI, as you would say. Um, Even though I know I have seen some of the return on investment of of what we've done, but the the true of it, I have yet to see. The future for me is continuing to speak my truth and live my faith and be curious enough to question the areas of our humanity that need the most love and light, thus helping transform and transcend like many of those who have come before and many that will come after me. This idea that when we came into this existence, we knew how we should treat people. We knew how we should treat ourselves. We knew how this life is supposed to be. And we will get there closer and closer and closer. And so my role there is to help just be those roots in that tree in which I will never experience the shade and continue to do what heart, what breaks, continue to solve what breaks my heart and continue to do what makes my heart sing, which are a lot of the elements that I'm doing now. So for those that have listened, and if you've gotten anything from this conversation, um, just know that we have not lived long enough on this planet to use the word impossible. There are so many other things out there. Um, May you be inspired. May you be blessed with prosperity and abundance to go seek out the less tweetable, the less followed, and the most impactful beings of yourself to help transform and contribute to this world. Um, And I'll continue to do that until I meet my exit point and transcend into a different area. But this is what I'm enjoying and the future is bright and full of light and love for me and everyone else. Thank you so much. Thank you. Future Hacker. Life. Path. Future. Future.